And joining us now, our good friend, Mr. Al Bat, who joins us every Tuesday for the last 35-plus years. Maybe he can tell us. Good morning, Mr. Al. Uh, good morning. I, I have no idea. Has it been at least I 35, know. right? I think. I, no clue, honestly. I, I don't have any idea. I know I was there last week. I remember that, <laughs> but that's about it. Hey, that was great news about the libraries doing yeah. some things again. Um, you know, we all, we find certain things that we really miss, and man, I really miss yeah. libraries. I love libraries. I'm a avid book reader, and I, I've read more books that I've got a whole pile of them to take to the library now to uh, when they open again so I can put it in the uh, where they can sell them. So are they overdue then uh, or not? They're not overdue books. No, these are ones that I bought. Oh, and you just want to share the love of them. Yes. Oh, I want to give them to the library so they can make a few dollars off them and keep things going for all of us, which is uh, most appreciative library librarians and I often tell the stories about being shushed as a little boy before I even had a chance to make a sound, but I loved the librarians even, maybe even more, because they told me to shut up in a in Aww. a polite way. And I heard you talking about the petrichor, which is the, that smell. I went for a walk this morning, and it was very evident today. I woke up uh, really early because I don't know if I've got a plugged eave spout or something, but there was water dripping down onto the downspout, and it sounded like somebody was in the yard taking down the shed with a sledgehammer. <laughs> it was just so loud to me. Uh, Gail slept through it. She's, she uh, Apparently her conscience is so clear that she can sleep through things like that. But, boy, I had to go outside and... And I walked up to it outside, and of course you could barely hear it there. But mm. oh, in the bedroom, it just what a noise! But uh, petrichor was uh, everywhere, and if I'm remembering correctly, it was a couple of Australian scientists, I believe, that came up with the this name that we can smell. And we've all known somebody in our lives who said, uh, like my dad, we'd go, "I can smell rain," and I th- I think they can. The wind would bring that smell in. And it's a combination of many things, oil, bacteria, ozone, that makes, as you described it, this aromatic uh, smell. And probably uh, worms in there, too, but there's many things that come into it. And I think it's a, a most pleasant smell. I, I really uh, like it. And I don't know if there's some people, uh, you know, some of us are, if you get a, oh, a thousand people, we're allergic to pretty much everything as a group, mm-hmm. so uh, I'm sure there's some folks that that probably is a bothersome smell, but I'm very fortunate that uh, that doesn't uh, affect me in any way, and I just love uh, walking in it, and it uh, brings joy. You know, it's interesting and, that you describe it as a pleasant smell, because I, I googled it in the dictionary, on you know, online dictionary. It says it's a noun and is a pleasant smell that frequently accompanies the first rain after a long period of warm dry weather so there you go so you must have written the the definition here well that's man i'm glad to hear that because i i just really i i think it's a most pleasant smell uh, my walking today took me to uh, clouds and bird songs a lot of birds were singing and of course a lot of clouds with the water coming down and birds were living out loud 
and I greeted each bird as if it were an old friend. And I had an eastern towhee here for a while, and I don't see him now, so I'm assuming he's moved on to where he needs to be. Its name was changed from Rufus Sided Towhee, which is a name I loved. I loved that bird and that name so much, I named a faithful canine companion after this handsome bird, and the bird didn't come when I called Eastern, so I had to shift her name to Toy. and it was, she was a wonderful dog, and these birds are so cool. I'm watching a brown thrasher uh, out the window here. They just, uh, they repeat themselves, just as mature men tend to do. I listened to his greatest hits uh, quite a while this morning, and the plaintive, plaintive whistling of white-throated sparrows is so alluring. Uh, earlier I heard a loud ringing, Pete, 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 lend me your shoe from the water's edge. We've got a little bit of water that runs through here. And that was a song of a northern water thrush, reminding me of the title of an Emily Dickinson poem for some reason. I don't know what it is about Emily Dickinson. Just all, every so often something pops in. Uh, one of her poems, a very short one, was named A Little Madness in the Spring. And that's what the northern water thrush sounds like to me. And my attention was drawn to Nashville warblers, and they're feeding low. Uh, they have yellow underparts, and that's what uh, drew my attention. But they forage so low, their rufous crown patches were often evident. And a black and white warbler was creeping along a tree trunk, just as, as a nimble nuthatch might do. Uh, Harris's sparrows, rose-breasted grosbeaks, Baltimore orioles are all in the yard. They'll look massive while maintaining social distancing from chipping sparrows. And I watched an industrious chickadee that my wife pointed out peel dead bark from a sapling for use in its nest. Oh, wow. And folks, if you have elderberry now, boy, it's all leafed out. It leafs out so early, it just gets a jump on pretty much everything. And I saw squirrel nests high, high in oak trees. And it occurred to me those squirrels are living in a grocery store. Later in the year, they'll have uh, their home will be surrounded by, it'll be everything except a food desert for these guys. At a touch of nature, this time going through what we go, a touch of nature is outside every window, and I never get tired of the scenery found there. It's a snapshot in time, so, boy, just look around. It's show and tell for the secluded. Oh, and I read, uh, talking about books, I revisited The Red Pony by John Steinbeck, where I found this passage, a short passage. It said, on the fences, the shiny blackbirds with red epaulets, clicked their dry call, the meadowlark sang like water, and the wild doves, concealed among the bursting leaves of the oaks, made a sound of restrained grieving. So, well, it's a... Mm. I, I read that when I was just a, a pup. You were talking about your kids going and getting all those books. I remember going to get Red Pony all those many years ago. Uh, Cheryl Holland of Blue Earth saw a hummingbird. I, I take that back, a male oriole at a hummingbird feeder on April 28th, and that prompted her to get the jelly feeders out and filled. Sharon Holzer of Brown County saw a leaf flycatcher, an oven bird, and a blue-headed vireo. Robert Watson uh, of Austin saw an oven bird. Chad Hines of Mankato saw a white-winged dove, which is rare, in Lake Crystal. 
and also in Blue Earth County, he saw a summer tanager and a sedgeran. John Schladweiler is from New Ulm, and he has uh, Baltimore oil there, and he saw a short-billed dowager south of Medelia. Brad Amondraw saw a black-bellied plover and an eastern screech owl in Lesseur County. Ron Erpelding, Ron's been a friend forever and a day, uh, he was birding in Jackson County, saw both glossy and white-faced ibis. Brian Smith of Sleepy Eye saw a white-rumped sandpiper and a Swainson thrush. Uh, Dave Bartke was on a birding drive in Watnwin County, he saw a red-shouldered hawk. In Steele County, a Sanderling, and in Cottonwood County, a Pine Warbler. Ben Frickman in Watwood County saw a blue-headed vireo at the Eagle's Nest County Park. Milt Blomberg saw a stilt sandpiper in Redwood County. Bob Williams and Bob Jansen saw a white-faced ibis in Steele County. Mark Younghands saw a sedran in Steele County. Donna and Dwayne Swenson of Wasika saw Canada goose goslings on April 29th. Verna Hoppy said she was happy. She has three brown thrashers in her yard. Paul Gotland, Paul lives in Rochester, said white-throated sparrow whistling reminded me of the first time I heard one as an inexperienced birder. The whistle sounded to me like a person doing a weak imitation of a bird. Nels Thompson, uh, Nels is from Hope. Minnesota, has a white-faced ibis seen at the marsh in Steele County, and again, that marsh is about six miles south of Owatonna on County Road 45, and when I got out a little bit more, I used to visit there real regularly. Today, I'm looking forward to going walking in a cemetery, which uh, seems odd, but I love walking in this one particular cemetery called St. Aidan. It's a great way to to uh, social distance, I bet, too, because at least they're at least six feet away. <laughs> yeah, and you know, I can talk to myself out there because everybody just thinks, and I am talking to people I know, but you can walk around mumbling to yourself, and if there is somebody out there, they don't think anything of it. Well, they think you're probably talking on a phone anyway, so... Uh, Denny Tustinson of Albert Lee said, boy, so many goldfinches but no Orioles. So uh, this day I sent him a postcard with an Oriole on it. Uh, so I hope that will make him happy. Uh, Denny Galligan of Albert Lee said, how beautiful starlings are. And Denny, man, I agree with you. There were uh, probably a limited number of people that feel that way about starlings, but uh, we'll have to have a club meeting. <laughs> uh, Peter Madsen saw or heard a whippoorwill in the northwestern part of Mauer County. said it sang for about 10 minutes. I think it's the fourth time we've had one singing in the 20 years we've been here. Uh, Jody Bollinger of Albert Lee said she went for a walk on the bike trail, and there were little ruby crown kinglets all along the trail. Cindy Drill of North Mankato said Monday had a very quick visit by a male ruby-throated hummingbird. I startled it as I came out of the garage, so I, it went to the Oriole nectar feeder I had across the yard instead of visiting the hummingbird feeders. Also saw my first pair of Orioles Monday on an early walk around Spring Lake Park, male and female. My daughter in Hilltop Mankato had a rose-breasted grosbeak at her feeder on Saturday. 
Tim Scott sent me an article from USA Today about the Asian giant hornets being seen in uh, oh. in this country. They look like They're, horrible creatures from some uh, alien movie. They're awful looking. I saw that, and they're be coming to to the USA, kind of like Japanese beetles, and something we don't want, Al. And they're two inches long and yeah. three and a half inch wingspan, and you know, we we think about two inches, but you know when it's a hornet, that's huge. Yeah. It's a gargantuan. It's, Didn't it uh, say they can kill people? It? Their sting can actually kill people. I read. They can, yeah. and again, a lot of people have an allergic reaction to these guys. Uh, they're a great predator, uh, a terrible predator. I guess would be a better. Uh, description of honeybees. So folks that uh, honeybee folks are not happy about these. They're uh, like an insect. R- Rodan was that the movie where the giant like prehistoric bird or something? They used to show them when we had drive-in movies, and I think it was Rodan. Uh, it wasn't Rodan the Thinker. It was this. Uh, oh, it was a terrible creature that came out and these guys are like the insect version of that i guess and and i hope they won't be a problem maybe they'll just come in and they'll get one little small place and they'll just stay there and won't bother anybody else tim also sent me an article from city pages where a pelican choked to death while trying to eat a 26 inch walleye oh my so, yeah, so the walleye, uh, people released the walleye, and it said, oof, and it went away. And I'm sure it had that story to tell that wow. I saw the light, and I, I went to it, but then all of a sudden it wasn't my time, and now I'm back in the lake here with you guys. I took a bunch of photos the other day of a great blue heron with this huge fish, and it tried and it tried to get this fish down and then it would kind of bow its head way down like it's i'm sure it was panting saying oh oh," and it finally let the fish go it just could not get it down uh kent spellman who uh, kent is from the twin cities but is now uh he's isolated in albert lee so we're happy to have him down in, in southern minnesota he sent me, he said, a sad article about a possible extinction of this very interesting bird. And it was a story about the Florida grasshopper sparrow. And I believe it was in the, oh, I didn't put it down, but I believe it was in the Washington Post. And I hope I have that correct. And Kent asked, do we have a kind of sparrow that has the same type of territorial requirements as the Florida gra- grasshopper sparrow? And he said, are there any birds that you see that are suffering or benefiting from the virus shutdown? The first, we do have grasshopper sparrows in Minnesota, and uh, our grassland birds are suffering. I think the poster child for that would be the meadowlark. People tell me on a daily basis now that uh, they're just not seeing meadowlarks. So a lot of our grassland birds are uh, having great troubles for um primarily the loss of habitat. Also, predators are very, very hard on grassland birds. Their eggs are right down on the ground where raccoons and everything can find them, so it's tough. I don't know. That's a great question. Are there any birds that are suffering or benefiting from the virus shutdown? I'm going to say no. I I don't know of any. Uh, I think some of them are doing better maybe in places because they're not being bothered by us humans quite so much in some spots so but i i don't think there's any um, great 
changes in any of those because, uh, you know, there's fewer of us driving down the road, so we're probably hitting fewer, and maybe the air's a little bit better, so maybe they are, uh, they're finding some benefits out of this. So, uh, and maybe more of us are feeding birds that we're home. Now that I think about it, Kent, there might be a couple things that are to their benefit. Mm-hmm. Uh, Mary McGrath said, a yard full of white-throated sparrows, and Mary Ann McDougall says, cowbirds that are kissing in her yard. Uh, Leanne Juvelin of Albert Lee asked if great horned owls mate for life and how many eggs they have. Uh, great horned owls are monogamous, and they, a pair often remains on the same territory all year. So pairs may stay together for life, but if something happens to one, the survivor usually finds another mate. And in the fall, the pair begins a courtship display. They loudly call to each other. The male is smaller, but his voice is a little bit lower. And they lay one to four eggs, and then they incubate them for 30 30 to 37 days, somewhere right in there. When you incubate, Uh, Al, do you have to sit on it the entire time, or can you get up to to do other stuff, and and how long? Because I assume they're supposed to stay warm the whole time, but I can't imagine sitting for 30 days without, I don't know, eating or going to the bathroom or something. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) well, you know, being an owl and stuff, you can just kind of back up. Uh, a little ways as far as your bathroom duties and they're taken care of and then food is brought to so many of the birds get food brought to them it's a little tougher for owls because they're such early nesters Mm -hmm. that they cannot be off the nest very long they can be off for a little while but not very long Uh, some of the ones that come and nest in uh, spring and into summer it's uh, a little bit easier for them they still can't be gone very long because those eggs get cold and then they're not going to hatch but they uh, they can get off a little bit more because the weather's warmer they uh, i remember chicken eggs if anybody's raised chickens maybe in the incubator you got to keep them kind of Oh, you can't let them get too dry. You have to turn them every so often. So there's a lot of work that goes into uh, it. looks easy. You just sit on that <laughs> egg all day. But, man, there's all kinds of work that's involved in it. And so, yeah, they can't be off those eggs very long. So uh, Somebody asked, why should I feed the birds in the summer if they have insects to eat? Oh, good well, question. Yeah, the, you know, the feeders, we feed the birds for us probably more than for the birds. So the feeders bring birds where we can see them better. It's our own private discovery channel or National Geographic channel. It allows us to see hummingbirds and orioles at nectar feeders. Jelly feeders bring in gorgeous orioles, tanagers, and catbirds. Uh, sunflower seeds attract handsome rose-breasted grosbeaks right to the window. American goldfinches, as far as they have insects to eat, American goldfinches eat seeds almost exclusively. I think if they eat an insect, it's probably because it's on a seed or by mistake. House finches eat almost solely plant materials, which includes seeds, buds, and fruits. And I love seeing a father cardinal introduce his offspring to a feeder. Or dad oriole bring the babies in to the the jelly feeder. And for those reasons alone, I keep our restaurant here uh, open year-round for them. 
Hey, Al. Before before you go along, I got a remark on our text from one of our listeners. It says, does Al have a way to keep mosquitoes away without using harsh chemicals? Oh, I wish I (laughs) did. And Yeah, and I feel so... I talked to a, a guy... Um, I I talk to a lot of people now because I think folks know they can get a hold of me maybe at home. And I talked to a guy from up uh, northern Minnesota, up around uh, Ely Tower area, and he has uh, uh, cancer. And he said his doctor told him that it might be from um, massive, you know, and I've not talked to the doctor, so I'm telling things out of school. But he said that massive quantities of DEET that he's poured on himself oh. all his life. And I know DEET isn't particularly good for us, but the problem is it works. It's a thing that works. And if anybody has anything that works, you know, I've tried all the bounty, uh, after those little... Um, uh, cloth that you put in the wash, uh, softener, and I've tried uh, Skin So Soft. Oh, what's the other one uh, that I've tried? I've tried a bunch of those a lot, and there's always somebody working on things, uh, trying to do s- citrus and all these. I wish I had an answer. The only thing I found that really works for me, and I know everybody is different, is DEET. Uh, mm-hmm. When I'm out with gnats, the little buffalo gnats or black flies, I like vanilla, just like vanilla extract. I can put it behind my ears and they leave me alone. And people like me because I smell like I've been baking then. They just, people come right up to you and start talking to you because they think you might have baked goods in your uh, in your bag. So. Hey, have you ever noticed, but, though, that there are some, t- I remember it must have been some hair product I used, but it attracted clouds of insects because I remember a number of us, this is years ago, uh, when we were sitting out on the, the front steps in my house and all of a sudden they, people looked and it was like this dark cloud above me of all these insects swarming around my head and they weren't around anybody else. So it was obviously some smell or something I had used in my hair because I, I never used it again and then I didn't have that problem. But I think there's certain things they are attracted to. And as far as the gnats, uh, I'm going to get one of those gnat hats because the worst thing they do is bug you when you're trying to work out in the yard. And so it's like wearing a big beehive uh, or beekeeper's yeah. net because... Uh, yeah. You know, I, the gnats don't really sting you or anything, but when they're in your face and stuff, it bugs you. So, but that won't help with mosquitoes. So, so I guess you know that is a tough, tough problem. We were at the uh, state softball tournament last year at Caswell in Mankato, and those buffalo gnats, black flies, what else do people call them? Punkies. Well, people call them a lot of things. I can't say on the air they they were just terrible they were just eating people alive including the poor players you're standing out in the field you know in softball and baseball no sports you got a little time to stand between pitches and things and they were just terrible so i did put on that vanilla and it really helps i know they say the other certain people that they like uh, maybe a certain something in your blood or a blood type and then perfumes and all these various things that will attract mosquitoes and i've led so many 
miles down uh, walking trails showing people birds and flowers and things. And I can turn around and see, just as you described, Karen, there'll be people with a huge swarm of mosquitoes or gnats around them, and people right next to them will have none. So I would... uh, I would try to walk with those people that had a lot of mosquitoes around them in the hopes that they would suck them all away from me, and that's worked pretty well in life. A listener asked, where do white-throated sparrows nest in Minnesota? It would be cool if they nested here. It would be cool. But they nest in north-central and northeastern Minnesota. The highest nesting densities would be in northeastern parts of the state. Uh, another listener here, an email, so uh, here was, here's a question. Where do golden eagles build their nests? Uh, golden eagles usually nest on cliffs or in trees in open habitat. They avoid heavily forested and developed areas, but have been observed nesting on man-made structures like windmills. Uh, bald eagles typically nest high in the tallest living tree in the area. Uh, the thing with golden eagles, they do not nest in Minnesota. They mm. do not nest in Minnesota. I don't believe they nest in Wisconsin either. Each year I get uh, photos in the summertime of uh, young bald eagles, and folks ask if those are nesting golden eagles, and no, they uh, they don't nest here. Uh, Lisa said, my no, Lois. Sorry, Lois. Mm-hmm. I don't know how I got Lisa out of that. Uh, my grandfather told me the robins sing before rain. Is that true? When robins are intent on singing, Lois, they begin early in the morning, and they sing before almost everything, uh, rain included. But I do believe robins often sing before a rain. It's sort of a rain song filled with liquid phrases, uh, perhaps responding to changes in barometric pressure or, you know, for some other reason that we have no clue. They're just uh, crack meteorologists, I guess. And uh, I love that song. I think robins are one of our least appreciated songsters as it comes to... uh, They're just they're beautiful singers. They are a thrush, and a lot of our most uh, most accomplished avian singers are thrushes. And uh, robins are one, but they're they're so common that we just kind of take their song for granted. And they have a number of different songs, so I. uh, it's really neat. Uh, Birdwatcher's Digest. It's a fine magazine. I just uh, started by the Thompson family who uh, nobody, sadly, none of that family is involved in anymore, sadly, because of a couple deaths. And they sent me my horoscope, and uh, it read, Pisces is in tune with the magic of everyday existence, affectionate, emphatic, wise, Oh, I'm sorry, empathetic, uh, wise, and soulful. You love nature and inspire people with the way you understand the rhythm of the seasons. Uh, Man, I think they made all that up, but I'm greatly flattered. (laughs) And sorry for not uh, having stumbling over some of the words there. It's on one of those things they sent out, uh, emails that they have, like the large writing instead of printing. 
and it always looks so nice until I try to read it, and then it's uh, <laughs> harder to read than it is when they just do print. You get some of those, don't you, where they do the, it's like handwriting, uh, cursive, but only you it's... Uh, oh, you can't read it, I, and it's like, why do you even use it? Individually, I could probably see the letters, but when it's together, it's like one big messy... It, yeah, it's hard to read yeah. some of these, and then it's it's green writing on a green background. Now I'm picking on Birdwatchers Digest. I shouldn't do that. They're just a wonderful organization. How nice of them to send it to me, and then what I do? I complain about it. I, I can't read this. No, it's a, a wonderful magazine. Um, I just if anybody wants some good uh, nature writing, I highly recommend Birdwatchers Digest. Uh, a listener asked, do cedar waxwings migrate? Uh, the You know, the breeding and wintering areas of these nomadic birds may change from year to year depending on food supplies. So some waxwings linger south of breeding ranges into late spring or early summer, and some we see here in the wintertime. There's just no... Uh, uh, maybe there is a rhyme or reason for them, but for us, we have no clue what they're doing out there. They're just moving around according to their their needs. It's uh, I appreciate all of you. I'm really much obliged for everybody for listening. I'm hoping uh, good things are just around the corner, and uh, we're we're making it through all this. I hope you're all finding uh, joy in each and every day. It's uh, my big problem sometimes is remembering what day it is when I get mm-hmm. up. I, I get because you just uh, you're is this Thursday or is this Wednesday? I just <laughs> I have to think, and then it turns out it's Friday. But um, I I I I can't wait till I can go into a cafe again, and the the wonderful waitress comes and says would you like a booth or a table i just oh man that is just going to be and i miss talking to all those people in cafes it's just uh you just run into the nicest people in there uh some of the things i've learned through the years in cafes is never ask a man how long a roll of toilet paper lasts him (laughs) It, it's not a good thing. It's like asking if if there's any farmers listening. It's like asking a farmer how many cows he has. You just don't do that. Uh, never ask what kind of pie a pie chart is made of. And oh, I should tell everybody this too. Don't panic. But somewhere near you right now, a coupon is expiring. So I put you in a little panic there. And. It's neat now because just think, a man who sits at home all day in his sweats has gone from being a bum to being a hero. And never forget where you came from, folks. It's where you left your cell phone. Remember, Heartland as well, we're driving past. Thanks for listening. Do something wild today. Get out there and look at a bird. Uh, Karen, thank you so much for your exquisite company. Everybody be well. That's right. And it's going to be cold now, Al, so if you put any of your warm plants out, you better go cover them up now. Yeah, we got, uh, oh, you know, the normal stuff, snow peas and radishes and lettuce and some of those things. And they like the cold, so that's that's okay. They do. Yeah. Yep. We're always anxious to put that other stuff in, but, boy, I've been gardening too many years. I've seen (laughs) so many people go back to that 
garden center, I don't know how many times to get tomato plants and pepper yep. plants and things. And it's uh, it's good for the garden centers, not so good for the gardener. Yeah, hold off. And, you know, my friend Harvey grows uh, me special varieties from seed, and he won't even give me the plants until the end of May because he knows if even if he gives them to me and I say, oh, yeah, yeah, I'll keep them in the house, he knows better. <laughs> so he doesn't, he knows because... You just can't resist it. If there's a 70-degree day out there, you're like, yeah, I think it's going to stay this way. So, yep. Oh, and they, they start looking tall and kind of gangly, and you think, oh, i got to get that in the ground. It'll be fine. It'll, It'll be fine. how old it is. It'll be fine, and it, it's not. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, well, anyway, well, great to chat with you. We will chat with you next week. Uh, happy bird watching. Thanks. Bye-bye. Bye, Al. Always fun to talk to our good friend Al Bat. And if you ever have things to share with him, you know, please, you can text or send a postcard. I love getting 